Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's our goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that help craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine and Carrie Bean. Good morning, Carrie, as we're recording this morning anyways. Good morning. So Carrie, I have been sharing with the team over the last couple um, months or weeks in June, um, uh, the place that's right next door to us on Market Street um, is called Quincy Exchange. You probably remember it when you were out to visit. They are kind of a Finger Lakes, I would say tasting center, but they're also like a little bistro. Well, I popped over there and met with um, with uh, some clients the other day. And I did a flight called the Element Flight, and it's the actual owner of Quincy Exchange makes a wine that he's branded as Element. And I've already talked about the Riesling and I talked about the Chardonnay, but they also had a Belfrancish, which is a real spicy wine. Um, it's from over in Germany, Austria area. It depends on what people call it. Sometimes it's Limburger, sometimes it's Belfrancish. So, uh, I tried it and they've done a really good job in trying to recreate that. Now they get grapes from like various wineries in the area, so they don't actually have um, a vineyard of that particular grape. But I was really excited to have that right next door and I can't wait. I know you guys are coming to the city of um, for some vacation. Um, I know you're not coming to our area, but at some point in time, we'll have you back and we'll take you <laughs> next door and and have you tried that wine. <laughs> For sure. Um, any new ones that you've come across that you'd like to share? No, not lately. I know you've been super busy with sports and the kids and everything like that recently. So we, uh, when we were planning for this particular podcast, I thought it would probably be a good idea knowing how busy you've been and, and how crazy life has been to chat a little bit about planning for retirement when you're in your 40s. <laughs> It's a key time in your life, um, you know, to, to really kind of hone in on the plan. Uh, most people usually have at least 15 to 20 to 22, sometimes even 25 more years, as crazy as that sounds, to sort of, you know, set the stage for their retirement years. But I think it's important to talk about some of the steps that you can take, especially, I mean, you're living that life right now, right? So yeah. so let's chat just a little bit about that. Where, where do you see the struggles right now in your life uh, in your early 40s, just, just a year over, right? You haven't even needed a full year around the sun past 40 at this stage of the game. Um, where, where do you see some challenges? 
Definitely for us, it's conflicting goals. Just feels like we're in a stage of life where there's some of the bigger expenses, you know, when you think about, especially having kids, when you think about what are my big expenses going to be throughout my lifetime, you know, it's, you know, buying vehicles for yourself and the kids and then sending them to college. And, you know, I have a 16 year old and a 19 year old. So both driving, uh, one in college and just the overall expense of all of that. Um, and then there's just everyday life. Um, Mm-hmm. expenses too, you know, and then definitely saving for retirement is something we continue to do and, and are definitely saving a, a decent chunk of money in that bucket. But I definitely wish we were at a point where we could maybe maximize that. And, you know, I think conflicting goals is something we talk about with clients all the time and currently living that for sure. So, I mean, obviously there's some things that can't wait, right? Like right. college tuition. I mean, you can borrow for it if you want to. Mm-hmm. And we always say, just just as a reminder, you can borrow for education. You can't borrow for retirement. Uh, but they can't wait. They've got the bills got to be paid. So, however you plan it into your plan, you need to know like how that affects you long term. But if you map, um, if you sit down and map out, okay, here's what I need to pay right now. Here's I know you can't save, you know, the maximum that you want to, and you're simple, but. How, how do you make up for that? You know, have you, have you sat down and, and mapped out? And I know you have, but you know, that's something that we talk to clients about, right? Like sitting down and mapping out, maybe not right now you can't maximize, but if you do these things, then in four or five or six years, that's when you can really start to maximize, but you can at least do something right now, right? I mean, there's, there's a piece of it. Yeah, for sure. We kind of just, even, you know, I didn't do this career originally, so it wasn't necessarily an area of expertise, but I don't know what made us. But for some reason, when we both started working, we've just always saved at least 10% into our retirement accounts. So I think that habit and never really having that money to live off of in the first place Mm -hmm. um, was, I think, one of the most important things we did early on, um, just you know, setting that up and, and never looking back. So I'm, I'm proud that we did that. And, you know, over time, our income has increased. So that 10% has increased some. Um, actually, this year, we, we, I think we bumped it up to 11. So um, we're both getting, you know, a little bit better. And it's one of those things you have to just make sure you're you doing at least something. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you take into consideration that you're also getting the company match, right? So you're putting away 10%, you're getting the company match, which might be three, it might be, you know, whatever it is, that's 13%. And if you're doing 11 now, that's 14. We typically say try to target 15. So you're within, like in your situation, you're within a 1% gap of what typically we, you know, suggest people do anyways. But have you sat down and then said, okay, we know we're going to have these competing goals. Here's where they are. Here's where they're going to fall. What about beyond some of those, like, I have to spend this money now goals? Have you thought about, and I know I like, I'm saying this, like, I know you have, you and I have <laughs> talked about this, but yeah. Um, when we're working with clients, we often ask them the question about, okay, we understand these are priorities to you and we're going to help you plan for this. But then when the kids are 
out of college and the cars are done, you know, they're, you know, all of the expenses that you mentioned are sort of finished. How do you quote unquote make up for some of the retirement savings? What's that number look like? I'm not asking you to share your number, but just in general, like I think knowing that is very helpful. Like just mapping it out and saying, okay, I know that right now I've got these priorities, but in the future, here's how I can make retirement savings a priority. Um, you know, that's kind of an important part of the plan. Mm-hmm. Is there thing? Is there are there conversations that y- you've had with clients or even within your own household around that particular topic? Yeah, I think for us, it's you know thinking about your options through your employer and and what we have and things like that. For us, it's talking about sort of those buckets of money. Um, obviously, we've been saving in the the pre sort of pre tax bucket of money, and and Alan actually has a Roth option through his employer, and we've we've put a little bit of that, mm. but. I think once sort of these conflicting goals calm down a little bit, we will be able to maybe max out that pre-tax bucket, but then also look at the Roth option. And then we do have a, a taxable uh, like brokerage account that we're putting a little bit of money into each month that I hope I think we will beef that up maybe as some of these mm-hmm. other things get taken care of and, and the kids get older. Um, so that's definitely a goal because something we talk about all the time and actually something I was not, it's just not something you're super aware of, or at least I would say a chunk of people are not aware of it, are those different buckets of money and what they mean and why they're important. Wasn't anything that anyone ever taught me or I knew of before I became a financial planner. Mm -hmm. So let's chat about that for a few minutes. What are those different kinds of buckets or savings vehicles that we try to chat with our clients about and and help get them educated about or that we're utilizing ourselves? Mm -hmm. So definitely it's, you know, three, three buckets of money, the pre-tax, which is, you know, saving into your retirement account and not being taxed on that until you pull it out. And then there's the Roth option, which can get a little bit more complicated. Not everyone can have a like a Roth IRA, but a lot of employers are starting to offer Roth within the 401ks. So filling up that that second bucket of it's still really considered retirement, but it's at, you know, it's going into the account after tax. So whenever you pull it out, you won't pay taxes on it. Um, and I'm sure there's an episode somewhere out there over <laughs> Roth IRAs, we could go into that for a really long time. Um, but filling up that Roth or tax-free bucket as much as you can. Um, and then the taxable or brokerage account, I, I really like that option because it's not necessarily tied to an age like your retirement account and the, and the Roth option. Um, and sometimes we just don't know what life is going to bring at us. So mm-hmm. especially if someone wanted to retire early, you know, retiring before age 59 and a half, which is the number right now, and that's always an option to be changed. But if you retire before 59 and a half, having a bucket of money that you can pull out of that's not tied to those retirement accounts is so important. Yeah, I think because we also often use that sort of as the emergency fund too, right? So when we talk to people about... Um, saving for long-term, um, saving for emergencies. We always want people to have some some cash on hand, whether you're retired or whether you're working or no matter what, we want you to have some cash on hand. But where that cash is located can be in various locations. It can be your savings account. It can be a brokerage account. <clears throat> and beyond that, we want 
people to try to invest for the long term as well. So often I know for our clients, they look at their brokerage account and they don't think of it as their emergency fund or their cash cushion. But in reality, that is something that we could take into consideration um, as a positive note, right? To, to have that money sitting there. And, and right now, I know we've got some clients that are actually approaching us saying, should we put that cash to work with the market being, you know, lower than it has been in a few years, uh, for sure. Um, you know, they're, they're asking those questions. But, but going back to the types of savings vehicles, I think we, we talk a lot about having a third, a third, a third, if possible. But why would we recommend that? Like, what are, what's the benefit of that in retirement if people do that? I think the first thing that comes to my mind is taxes and being able mm-hmm. to plan out your life in a way that you can think about pulling from, you know, what bucket is most appropriate for that time in your life. Um, not that you can control everything, but if you can and, and plan things out, you know, for your personal life, I think having the option to pull from a tax deferred bucket or a tax free bucket or even even that brokerage taxable account bucket, man, that gives you a lot of options. Yeah, the taxability side of it is twofold, right? So one side is like, let's say that in your first year of retirement, you worked part of the year because typically people don't retire on December 31st, no matter what financial planning software likes to think how how nice and easy that is. Most people don't retire on December 31st. I have very few clients that actually pick that date for their retirement. So let's say in that first year of retirement, you have some earned income. So we may look at that and say, you know what, for the rest of this year, maybe you want to pull from um, the after-tax brokerage account because that could mean that your taxable income this year, it, your cash flow is the same, but your taxable income goes down significantly, maybe even allowing for your capital gains on your portfolio to be taxed at a 0% capital gains rate. Well, that sounds fun. I get to keep my cash flow and I pay less in taxes. So that's an ideal situation. Or maybe it's a year where you um, don't have any income, second year of retirement. Now, where do we pull income from? Well, that year, it might be from your um, pre-tax money because, again, no taxable income. Maybe you're not taking Social Security yet. So we can fill up the first bucket, if you want to call it that, with pre-tax money, very low tax bracket. How we supplement that with, you know, potentially either the Roth or the brokerage or both of those to give you the same cash flow, so on and so forth. So we get to, we get to really do some, uh, what I would call low hanging fruit planning with regards to distribution strategies. And that's, um, something I know you and I have run a lot for our clients to sort of map that out and, and give them ideas and suggestions around that. I think the number one thing that we've often seen, Carrie, is that people push taking pre-tax money and down the road until they have to. And then what happens? (laughs) Well, I think if you've saved, you know, and this is one of those things, if you don't know, you don't know. But, you know, as a kid, I remember being pounded into my head, like save as much as you can into your retirement, max it out, which we believe in. But something that people don't think about is when you do hit that age of, you know, which is a keeps changing. But right now it's, you know, when you're in your like around 72, you've got required minimum distributions. And, 
you don't get to decide exactly that number that comes out. You're sort of told by a calculation, you have to take at least this much out. And then obviously you're going to be taxed on that. So knowing that and thinking through that, which a lot of people, they may know that you have to do that, but knowing the consequences and what that means, you know, and understanding what your tax bill is going to be at that point. Yeah. And I think too, what people don't understand is, you know, sometimes they, okay, that might make their social security more taxable. That might make their Medicare premiums go up. There's a lot that they don't take into consideration when they think about pushing it down the road. And for our clients that live in New York state, sometimes that means that it affects their enhanced star um, eligibility uh, in some cases. So it's not just it's not just about the savings piece. It's also about the distribution piece. (laughs) So I think, I think it's really important. You know, I think it's super important to talk about that. Now let's talk about moving on real quick. Um, talking about how to maximize. Let's, let's say you're, um, let's see, you're six years down the road, right? And now the kids college is done. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking at, um, I, I won't say a windfall, but you're you're looking at the budget easing up just a little bit. How do you suggest people think about maximizing the next fifteen or twenty years of saving for retirement or planning for retirement? Well, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is making sure you're maxing out your savings. I won't necessarily say all four hundred one k, but for us, it, it probably will be with with Alan having that Rob shop. Roth option. I think working with, you know, a financial planner and figuring out, okay, should we be, should we put everything in the, you know, everything we can in the Roth option? Should you do 50-50? But for us, it'll be that. Let's sell. Okay. Mm -hmm. What can we do to max out our retirement savings? And with taking the Roth into consideration and then making sure that we are saving in that that taxable brokerage account bucket as much as we can, you know, doing Mm -hmm. some budgeting or or reverse budgeting as we like to talk about and just making sure we're saving into that, that additional bucket. Yeah, I think that's pretty important. So looking at running projections, right? What if I save in 50-50 in the Roth and pre-tax and then another, you know, portion into the brokerage? How does that make my plan look? When is the crossover? Because the problem with, I mean, you guys saving right now is very helpful in the Roth component. The problem when the kids are all out of the house and your highest likely to be your highest earning years is it's also your highest tax bracket years. (laughs) So, you know, you want a really bad save in that 401k pre-tax because it lowers your taxes right now. But there is usually a crossover as to when paying higher taxes now benefits you in retirement. And running those projections, I think, is pretty important to decide how much should I put in pre-tax and how much should I put in Roth and how much should I put in the brokerage. So kind of running scenarios uh, as early as your mid-40s to see where your buckets need to be redistributed at that point in time to see if you have, and here's where we try not to talk in general terms, but if you, let's say you traveled for your whole career and when you retire, you're like, I'm not traveling anymore. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to play in my garden. I'm going to read my books. You know, I am just, I've traveled out. Well, your lifestyle at that point in time is probably going to require less resources. So maybe it does make sense to put more in pre-tax right now in that situation. 
versus somebody who said, no, I mean, I want to spend more money in retirement. I want to travel. I want to, um, you know, do, um, I don't know, maybe relocate or do the snowbird thing or, you know, whatever it might be, then you might require more cash flow and it might make more sense for you to, to have some additional funds in those supplemental buckets. So I don't think there's a one size fits all answers for that. I do think it comes down to those projections and scenarios to see when the crossover is too. What are there any tips that you would give to people that are in, you know, your, I, and I mean this, you know, like in such a loving way, you know, that like, I would say state of chaos. And I, I do really, truly mean that in a loving way. You're just being pulled in a ton of different directions. Your life is super busy. And I don't mean chaotic by disorganized. I just mean you're on the go, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and a lot of, I mean, you definitely think about finance often, but a lot of people don't. They're focused on other things in their lives. Is there one or two tips that you would give them? to just kind of maybe maybe it's a task that they do to put on their calendar or something like that that would just bring them back to their finances maybe once or twice a year even uh, for me i think set it and forget it i think that's probably mm. the best thing that we've done as far as saving for our future and we're honestly set and forget and we we're putting into each of those three buckets it's not what we want to be you know it's not the most that we can put in there, but we've kind of set up, you know, where we're putting some into each of those buckets and it's something we don't think about anymore. And so set it and forget it. And, you know, obviously review it annually. And if you can do more, do more. Um, I would say that's probably the number one thing that people can do. And it, and there's not ever going to be a great time, even when you're young, you know, and you're not in your forties, you feel like, Oh, I've waited you know, to make money and now I want to live now, but mm. starting small or, you know, we talked to a client the other day about, hey, let's just start with 50 bucks a month. They're really young. Mm. Their cash flow is really strapped, but let's just start there because I think starting somewhere is really important. And then, you know, as your income increases, you know, bump that up and just forget about it. I mean, obviously you need to think about it and go in and see how you're invested in all those fun things, but, mm-hmm. but set it up and, and move on. I think, I would say that's probably the number one thing. The other thing that comes to my mind is don't ignore things. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned the, the chaos and I definitely feel like I'm a very organized person, but I still feel that internal, like thinking about all the directions my money is being pulled or not my, our money is being pulled. It causes some internal chaos because you feel like, gosh, there's so many things in life and especially right now with things being more expensive. Um, it, mm-hmm. I, I was literally thinking the other day, like, man, it feels like our cash flow is so strapped right now. And I'm really bad about like beating myself up, like, oh my gosh, what am I doing wrong? And then I stand, I was standing there thinking, I haven't, I, I'm not doing anything. I'm not just spending tons of money. It's just, it's just the way it's life is right now. It's mm-hmm. so expensive yeah. to live. Um, but I don't think you should put your head in the sand and say, that's just the way life is and not worry about it. You still have to think about it. You still need to project out some cash flow and look at it. Even if you just pick a month or, you know, pick a short time period, don't overwhelm yourself by trying to think about what am I going to do for the next five years? You know, what are you going to do for the next month? What are you going to do for the next two months? Um, I think in, uh, recently we've had to replace an air conditioner unit inside <laughs> and outside. 
And then uh, we have this have the same washer and dryer that we've had since before my son was born and he's 16. So it's no <laughs> surprise that we yesterday ordered a new washer and dryer, but it was something I just kept putting off and putting off. And it feels like, you know, who wants to spend their money on those kind of things? But at the same time, I knew it was coming. So by ignoring it or putting my head in the sand about it, you know, that that wouldn't have been smart either. So and I also knew eventually our air conditioner was going to have to be replaced. So it's those things that we would, you know, as financial planners, we talk about, you know, this is what your emergency fund is for. Um, But you can also kind of start planning out, like, is it really an emergency if I've known for like the last three years that my my dryer's (laughs) taking twice the amount of time to dry a load of clothes for the last couple of years? Um, So no, it's, I would say, to set it and forget it and don't put your head in the sand about things. Mm Well, Carrie, as always, it's it's so interesting to you know see things from a different point of view. Uh, you know, having being a bit older and kind of you know, I would say about ten years, you know, just of doing some of the things that you're talking about doing right now. I will say it does get to the point where you're like, yeah, like I'm saving. You know, all of this stuff does happen. And I always say to people, you can have whatever you want. You just might not be able to have it right now. And mapping out some of those things. And by the way, I always forewarn people, if you've had two things that you have to replace, which you were saying the dryer and the air conditioning, something else will go. They always go in threes. So (laughs) just be forewarned. And I, you know, if something does go today, you're going to be like, yeah, Amy cursed me. (laughs) So (laughs) But I think, you know, that's why we plan for some of these emergencies. We don't know what they are going to be. If you have an air conditioner, you know, an air conditioner is going to need to be replaced. That's something Brett and I are very acutely aware of down in Florida. We can live without one in New York, but Florida, uh uh-uh, you know, you can't. Um, And where you live, you can't. It's more important to have air conditioning than it is heat. (laughs) So those are important things that you have to be sort of thinking about in advance to what could go wrong. And um, somebody recently said to me, um, you, I took this like assessment, personality assessment. And they said, it seems like you live from a place of fear. I said, well, wait a minute. You got to understand the job that I have is not necessarily that I live from a place of fear. I live from a place of what can go wrong and how do I prevent that? Or how do I plan for that? So I wouldn't say that I live from a place of fear, but a place of imagination of what I might need to come up with for money and try to plan for that. And I I think there's a benefit to that in the whole scheme of things as well. So as always, it's such a pleasure chatting with you and catching up on different things that are going on in your life. And, um, you know, I think people are so appreciative of the suggestions and tips and ideas that you have. So uh, if, if you all would hop on over to iTunes and rate this show, we'd love for you to do that because it does bring in additional listeners once we get ranked uh, in their system. And we'd love to hear from you. What do you want to hear from any of us on the team? We hope that this uh, podcast brings you some, I would say, serenity, some ideas, and um, brings a little bit of joy and uh, laughter to your life as we chat about things that are going on in ours. We hope you continue to enjoy the show and that you share it with your friends. Thanks, everyone. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com, or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at RootedPG for the latest news. 
And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.